0: Deuteronomy chapter 27, now we see that we're coming to the great climax of the teachings of, uh, Deuter- of uh, Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 26, we see that he tells them: the first thing you need to go do is once you cross the land and you're to uh, do to, to the place where I tell you, then uh, you are to offer tithes and offerings. And then he re- reiterates the fact of every three years there's special tithing supposed to be given but now in chapter 27 through chapter 30 we have a series of blessings and cursings and uh, he told he says now in chapter 26 he said i want you personally to recite everything that's happened from the time that you were in egypt until now to your children isn't that important folks that we do that that uh, we want the schools to do it but the schools are forsaking that we need to do it ourselves and families need to know, and churches we need to we do show the Lord's death until He comes. What the Lord has done for us, and so and now in chapter twenty-seven, we see that He begins in Moses uh, uh, with the elders of Israel. This is the first time we see now that He's speaking with the elders. Remember, Moses' his days are numbered, and so now He's passing on the leadership. He passed it on. We saw it earlier with Joshua. Now we see it with the elders. And uh, he knows that he's, he's gonna, the Lord's going to be calling on them soon. And so he's got this these people that now are going to be the leaders. And he's putting them before the people. And he says, keep the commandments of the Lord, I command you uh, today. And it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, uh, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. And you shall write them, all, write on them the, all the words of this law. Now we're not sure if he wrote. Oh, that'd be a lot of stones for all the things he's written. But is he talking about the major portions or whatever? We don't know. But there must have been quite a row of stones there. Big. Uh, they used to be. They had those writing stones that they uh, that they have found all over the Middle East. And they'd be about eight feet uh, tall and about four feet so, uh, four feet wide. And they would just have big walls. And In fact. There's a couple of places where there's mountains that have, uh, where especially with the Persians and so forth, where they had uh, writings on the walls of uh, for for government issues and so forth. So this is nothing. This is something that was quite common, and yet we see the Lord says, write it down, uh, whitewash them, and you shall write the words of this law when you have crossed over. Uh, that, that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So notice, so he, he says, first of all, I want you to uh, recite all the things that happened to your kids. Then I want you to write down the law, a uh, land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, your God, uh, father's, uh, Lord God of your fathers promised. Um, therefore, it shall be when you have crossed the Jordan, on, uh, that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones, uh, which I command you today, Mount Ebal was one of the central um, mountains or mountains right on the uh, west side of the Jordan. And it would be kind of a center, uh, central part of Israel. And he says, And it shall, you shall whitewash them, and you shall build an altar of the Lord, an altar of stones, and you shall not use iron tool on them. Now, this is kind of interesting because we know in the temple... God wanted them if they had to carve the stones or whatever we know later on with Solomon they did not do it in the temple there was not to be a sound of a hammer in the temple and it was just kind of interesting how that the Lord set that up he says and you shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord and you shall offer uh, peace offerings and eat there. So remember how many times have we seen, and the place where I shall choose. So here we see that the Lord has chosen. This is exactly where they were supposed to do it the first place. Now later on we know that tabernacle moved around, and, but it was the place where God chose for it to move. And we say, And you shall write it very plainly on the walls, all the words of this law. Then Moses and the priests and the Levites spoke to Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become uh, the you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of your the Lord your God and observe the commandments of his statutes which I command you this day. And Moses commanded. Now this is kind of interesting because you have two mountains here. You have don't forget about two million people or more, and on one mountain you're to have about a million. And on the other mountain, you're to have the other million. So that's a, quite a football stadium. And then, and then the valley in between. And notice and Moses commanded the people the same day, saying that uh, you shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when they crossed the Jordan, Simeon and Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And those, so we see now all those uh, people there um, are the children Of Jacob's legitimate, or or what, two wives, and the others, except for, um, except we have, except the other are the four handmaid, and then you have Reuben, and remember, Reuben was the firstborn, and yet he was God so he was he so desecrated his position that God permanently took, took away from him. So he wasn't even numbered here with uh, the the other the tribe from his own mother, but then the other a lot of people we wonder why was Zebulun put in there too because he was from Leah, and yet uh, we don't know exactly what happened with that. But we see on the other side they would be pronouncing the cursing. So you'd have the blessings on one side, and you can imagine what the voice that would be like whenever they would say when they would respond, and then you would have the curses on one side. And so the Levites shall speak a loud voice and say to all the children of Israel, Cursed is the one who makes carved images. And notice, in, and all the people would say, Amen. Then notice in verse 17, Cursed is everyone who moves his neighbor's landmark. Actually, we see back in verse 16, we skipped one, he says, Cursed is, is he that treats his mother and father with contempt. And then. Uh, we see cursed is one who moves his neighbor's landmark. And we talked about how that God hates those things. Um, and then all the people shall say amen. And cursed be uh, the one who makes blind to wander off the road. And all the people shall say amen. And cursed is one who perverts justness, justice due to strangers. How many of this list did we see in Isaiah this morning? You know, so again... Uh, or things that they were supposed to to repent from or to to turn to. Cursed is everyone who perverts justice due to the stranger. Uh, Verse 20, cursed is everyone who lies with his father's wife. So all the incestuous things and also with animals in verse 21, all these horrible things that would happen with the Canaanites. Verse 22, cursed is the one who lies with his sister. And we go on with that. Um, or his mother-in-law verse 23 or uh, notice in verse 24 who uh, cursed his uh, uh, cursed is the one who attacks his neighbor secretly who lays ambush for his neighbor verse 25 cursed is the one who takes a a bribe uh, to slay an innocent person and uh, of course then in verse 26 cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law now we see If we turn over to the book of Joshua, we see in chapter 8, that's exactly what Joshua did. He followed orders. And when they crossed over the Jordan before they conquered any other land except Jericho, um, notice in verse, uh, let's see, uh, in verse 30, now Joshua built an altar to the Lord on Mount Ebal as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, and written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar with whole stones, in which no man had wielded an iron tool, and they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord, and sacrificed there. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which is written. Just exactly what Moses has said. Now, of course, that... That took some chiseling and so forth. So I'm sure it, he didn't do it all himself. It would have taken a while. So, uh, uh, but here we see that uh, then, then all Israel, in verse 33, with all the elders and officers and judges, stood on either side of the ark by the priests who were down in the valley between those two mountains. Um, and we see that um, and half of them on uh, front uh, in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them on Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant had commanded before them, and that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law and the blessings and the cursings according to all those written in the book of the law, that was not a word of all that Moses has commanded, commanded which Joshua did not read. That's one of the few people in all the Bible that was totally uh, obedient to the law of Moses. It was... Uh, was Joshua. Joshua was a a very strong and good leader. And we see that, um, and notice what he said to do it, with the women and the little ones and the strangers who were living among them. So Joshua did exactly what the Lord told him to do. Now it's interesting because we see the curses are laid out very verbally, but we see that uh, the blessings are very sparse, as far as going down a list, and yet he tells, he, he does mention them, but he doesn't give them the exact words. Now, you can imagine what it'd be like when he said, Cursed be this, and all the people, a million people say, Amen. Can you imagine 80, uh, uh, a million people saying Amen at one time? And uh, it'd kind of reverberate between that, uh, between that valley, wouldn't it, or in that valley. And so. But now in chapter 28, and it came to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord. I'm back in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28. And it shall be it come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all the commandments which I command you this day, uh, that God, the Lord your God, will set you high above the nations. So I'll exalt you above the nations. And all the blessings shall come upon you. And I like this. The blessings will overtake you. It's like uh, you'll have so many blessings you won't don't, don't won't know what to do with them. I mean, I would, Lord, uh, you know, mercy drops around us are falling, but uh, showers of blessings we need. And he said, "They'll just uh, I'll just give you more than I mean more than you ever asked or thought." And so we see, he said they will overtake you. Verse three, blessed. Shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Verse five, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. So even your kitchen uh, utensils will be blessed. Blessed shall be you when you come in and blessed when you go out. Uh, The Lord will cause your enemies in verse seven who rise against you to be defeated before your face. So God will defeat your enemies. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessings on you and your storehouses. I'll even bless your warehouses. I mean, can God get any more thorough than that with what he says he'll do? Um, In verse 9, and the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. What did Isaiah say this morning? You're a sinful people laden with iniquity. And so here we see that he says, I want to establish you as a holy people, a set-apart people. Um, And he says, as I've sworn, verse 10, "Uh, then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by my name of the Lord. And that's the main thing. I want to make you the oracles of God. I want people to see me live through you. And I want them to want what you have And isn't that what we want people to have is what we have? The blessings of God on their lives and how to get them. Of course, that's through the Lord Jesus himself. And verse 11, And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body and an increase of your livestock and the produce of the ground, um, which the Lord swore your fathers. Verse 12, The Lord will open to you his good treasure in heaven. Oh, that's what we pray for. Lord, open up that treasure and pour it out upon us. But Lord, uh, make us be in a position or let, help us to be in that position. Teach us to be in that position that uh, when you're ready to give it, then we're ready to receive it. Sometimes God can't bless us because we're not ready for it. And so here we see that, uh, Lord, we want those blessings. Lord, I want that mountain you know, that, uh, that God's promised. And um, we see that... Uh, As you go on in this verse, he says, and you shall, um, actually, and you shall lend. You shall be a lender nation, uh, but you shall not borrow. Oh boy, wouldn't that be great? One of the big problems of any nation, including Rome and Greece and other places, all the empires who started going into national debt collapsed. Boy, does that sound familiar today. And so again, we see that... uh, that uh, he says, you're to be lender nation, not a um, a debtor nation. In um, verse 14, so you so shall you not turn aside from any of the words I command you this day. So stay on line. Verse 15, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to to observe carefully His commandments and statutes which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And he's going to spend quite a bit of time talking about what's going to happen to them if they don't follow the Lord God. Notice in verse 16, he goes back to cursed. It's almost like Moses almost expects them. He says, I've been with you 40 years. I know what you're going to be like. And so we see that he's almost expecting them not to do what he's telling them to do. In verse 16, cursed be shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the city, in the country. Cursed shall your basket. So notice he goes back through the things that he says he'll bless you. And so now it's just reverse. Uh to be when you come in and go out. Verse 20 um, he says, The Lord shall send you cursing and confusion. And there again you don't you got so many problems and you don't even know where your problems are coming from. Again, Allah uh, Isaiah chapter 1, until you are destroyed. Verse 21, the Lord shall make the plague cling to you. And verse 22, the Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation. So you're going to be a sickly nation. He's going to take your health from you. All kinds of plagues are going to come. Verse 25, the Lord recalls you to be defeated by your enemies. Instead of me allowing you to, to and going before you, uh, all of a sudden your enemies are going to start taking over. And verse 27, the Lord will strike you with boils, the boils of Egypt. Verse 28, the Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. And so the Lord really is laying it on them. In verse uh, 30, uh, when you betroth a wife, uh, some guy's going to steal, him, steal her from you. Well, that's kind of interesting what's going on in Israel, exactly that today. Verse 32, your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people. Verse 33, a nation whom you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land. And we saw that many times in the book of, of uh, Judges. Verse 36, the Lord will bring you and, uh, and the Lord will bring you and the king Uh, whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. And that's exactly what he did at Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar. And so the kings went to, of course, the last of the kings were there in Babylon. He says in verse 27, and you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, a byword among all the nations. In In other words, instead of somebody looking up at you and saying, my, those are, strong people, they, they it's almost used as a epitaph against them. And so how the word Jew has you know, is used so derogatorily today. And so how sad that is. Verse thirty eight. And they shall carry your your seed out of the field, but you shall gather, carry your feet your seed in the field, but gather little, so you're not going your your crops, again we saw this morning, aren't gonna prosper. Um And he goes on about the aliens and so forth. Skip over to verse 47. Because you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness. Remember what we said? God wants a joyful people. So when we come before his presence with gladness and singing, that's what God wants. That gets, you know, Lord, tune tune us up to sing your grace. Verse 49, the Lord will bring a nation against you from afar. And so he just keeps on going, saying, this is what's going to happen, and utterly... Uh, ultimately they're going to be scattered to the four corners of the world, which they have been. Um, and he talks about the, the sieges that are going to happen. And he really gets graphic in verse 32 through verse, four, or verse 52 through verse 57. He really gets graphic about uh, what could happen in a siege with, with cannibalism and all kinds of things that could happen when they surround your cities and you don't have anything to eat. And it really, I don't even want to read it. But uh, verse 58, he says, uh, if you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that were written in the book, uh, that you may fear the Lord, all these plagues will come upon you. Verse 60, and more of these diseases are going to come upon you. In um, verse 63, and it shall be that the, the just, as the Lord rejoiced over you to do good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing and you shall be plucked off uh, from the land which you go to possess so i'll take you i can pluck you right out of the ground uh, out of the land that i'm putting you into so don't you know don't test the lord in these areas in verse 30 64 64 and so you know 68 verses in this uh, blessing and cursing but in verse 64 the lord will scatter you among the peoples And that's exactly what happened all the way into 1948. That's the ultimate um, punishment that God brought on in AD 70. He let them go back to the land. And they stayed there for several centuries before they ultimately rejected their Messiah. And, of course, the Lord scattered them around the world one more time. And uh, now he's gathering them back, as we saw in 1948. Now in verse 68, and the Lord will take you back to Egypt now this is, a, this is the ultimate insult so some of your people and we know that Jeremiah and a lot of the people went down to Egypt Jeremiah tried not to get them to go but they did and he says uh, but, uh, and by the way I will say to you you shall never see it again and they, and you shall be offered for sale to your enemies your male, as male and female uh, slaves but no one will buy you that's pretty bad when you know you're so bad that you're worth nothing. <laughs> that's uh, that's sad. So what do you do when somebody won't buy a slave? Uh, they're thrown out and they have to make the best they, they can on their own or they, they die. So, I mean, that be a pretty bad situation where you don't, don't even have a master to feed you. And so how sad that's going to be. And, of course, that's what happened. And so in verse chapter 29... Now Moses, in verse two. Now Moses called all of Israel and said to them, "You have seen the, what the Lord did before your eyes." So he's going back to history again, and uh, and all the blessings that God gave you, the great trials which your eyes have seen. And uh, verse three, uh, and he says, in verse five, and I have led you these forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you. Your sandals have not worn out on your feet. So, ladies, you don't get to go to the shoe store anymore. Uh, Macy's and uh, uh, pennies was never heard of. There was no seamstresses, nothing, because nothing wore out. Can you imagine, uh, I had four kids, and all my three boys, when they hit 12, they grew about a foot, uh, over, well, a couple of them grew over a foot within 18 months. You try to keep kids in in clothes like that, let alone keep them from brags every time they fall, and yet uh, here that we see that God, the the people didn't even have to buy their their they didn't even have to worry about their clothes. God was good, wasn't He? He says, "You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine of similar drink." Most of so you guys don't even know what it's like not to have manna every morning? You just think it comes for uh, for granted. And you've never had to worry about food because it's been there miraculously every day of your life. And you don't even know what it's like to go without it. Can you imagine? And then all of a sudden it stops. You know? So uh, he's, he's getting them ready to, to get back on their own again. And verse 7, And when you came to this place, Sian and Og, remember uh, uh, how did he, the, how did he uh, kill them? And then uh, he gave inheritance to Reuben and Gad and so forth on the east side of the Jordan, uh, that they may prosper. And then in verse ten, and all that you uh, that you stand and all of you stand today before the Lord your God, leaders and of your tribes and your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger in the camp. Hey, listen, listen to me. And let's make sure that we pass this on you leaders you've got to you've got to follow you've got to do what God tells you to do and he's really encouraging them to do so and in his last comments to them in verse 14 I make this covenant and this oath not with you alone but with him who stands here with us today so this is something uh, I'm promising you but it's not me this is what God is promising you listen to me wasn't well, Again, Isaiah said, Keep, how many times did he say, Come now, listen, listen to what I'm saying? And here Moses is saying the same thing hundreds of years before. He's saying, Listen to me this day uh, with he who stands with the Lord as well as with him who is not here. Um, And verse 17. And he saw the abominations of their idols. You remember that, and you know how much God hates idol idolatry. You saw. Now you are old enough to remember uh, what happened just a few months ago with uh, with the idols Balaam. And so, make sure you stay away from that. And they never did until after the Babylonian captivity. And notice in verse uh, and and, uh, and notice he says also. Uh, and that they may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. Now, what does God tell us in the, what does God tell the Hebrews in the New Testament? Beware lest the root of bitterness spring up in you, and by it ye defile many. And here's the same thing. Be careful with the bitternesses and so forth that comes your way. Uh, verse 20. The Lord will not spare you. Uh, from uh, for then, anger of the Lord and his jealousy. Remember his very name is jealous. And so we see that uh, God's not going to spare you if you don't do what I tell you to do. Now notice in verse uh, 19 uh, verse 23, I'm sorry. He says, "The whole land is brimstone and salt and burning. And that's exactly what happened when the land lay barren, nobody came back in from the Babylonian captivity and, uh, and cultivated like the Israelites did. And there was a lot of nomadic people around. And even after the Roman destruction and scattering of the people around the world, Palestine laid bare for two millennia almost before Israel returned to the land. And now it's again a land that is very prosperous and uh, they're the bread basket, no, not the bread basket of Europe, but they are the fruit basket of Europe. They, I mean, you can get, I, just a few weeks ago, um, wasn't a few weeks anyway, it's been within just a short time, that uh, I, I remember getting some oranges, and i have always always look uh, at uh, uh, in the market. I, uh, if I don't see it on the little tag, I'll pick up, pick up the box and see where peaches and oranges are from. Because the best peaches in the world are Georgia peaches, and the best oranges are Florida oranges. I mean, not that I'm, uh, um, I didn't, but they're juicier, they're better, they're sweeter, and everything else. You don't find very many uh, Florida oranges anymore. There's been too many people moved down there, and they've crowded the orange groves out. But, uh, but there again, it, I, I looked, and the oranges that I bought were from Israel, of all places. I mean, they're all coming all the way to the United States. And yet they, uh, they're one of the major producers of citrus for the whole South, uh, southern Europe. Just that little old country that's no bigger than New Jersey. And yet what God has done with them. But that land lay barren for millennia before Israel returned. And that's exactly what God said was going to happen. In verse 23. And the old land is brimstone, and he goes on and talks about that. Okay, so he says, now, in verse 29 is one of those uh, verses that we snatch out. And uh, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So, folks, there are certain things we talked about this morning. I mentioned, uh, mentioned uh, angels and things that God has not revealed to us. Those are the secret things. They belong to God. That's why at the very end of the service after talking, or Sunday school, after talking all about angels, I said, you know, I still don't know what I'm talking about. Why? Because there are certain things that only God knows. Now, I could tell you what God tells me, but everything else is your, your guess is as good as mine. Now, of course, within boundaries. Now, some people have some pretty wild guesses, but uh, I think you understand what I'm saying. But he says now, but the things that God has told us, and how, how much plainer can, can God get it than he's just told us in the last few verses? And how many times all the way through the book of Deuteronomy has he repeated himself over and over and over again? Do you think God's made it pretty clear? the things that God has revealed to us? Yes, and so there was uh, every man is without excuse. God has drilled this into them. Now, there are certain things that God hasn't told us. And if that's the case, then we try to find the mind of God, but uh, then we leave the rest that we don't know alone. But what God has told us, he expects us to observe it and to obey it. And so uh, that's the, one of the principles. Now, chapter 30 is the climax of the book. Now, it came to pass when all these saints come upon you and the blessings and the cursings which I set before you and call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. you And you return. uh, He's already talking about how they're going to return from their captivity. um, And obey his voice according. So once you learn your lesson and get back here, then uh, the one thing that you should learn is don't play around with God. So he's mentioning this. And he says uh, in verse 4, he says, if any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven from the Lord your God, he will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed. That's the promise that the Jew looks at today. Are they scattered? But are they? what's the promise that God says? I will gather you one day. And this is one of the things that they hang on to. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. And so we see that uh, God was already anticipating. Moses was anticipating that uh, they weren't going to listen to him. And yet God's covenant is true. In verse 7, And the Lord your God will put all these curses among your enemies. And verse 8, And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord your God and do all his commandments, which... I command you this day. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand and the fruit of your body. So he's going back through this again. So once he gathers you, I'll bless you again. Uh, verse 11, For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. In other words, this command I've made it as plain as I can, haven't I? And it's not way out there. It's very practical. I've given you some very practical suggestions or laws that, if you follow them, my, uh, you'll have so many blessings you won't know what to do with. But if you don't, then they're stark. I mean, it's a very black and white instructions that he's giving here. Uh, and he says, um, in verse 15. Now here's the here. Now here's the great summation. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away, so that you do not hear and you are drawn away and you worship other gods and serve them i will announce to you today that you shall surely perish you shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over in the jordan to go and possess i call heaven and earth as a witness today against you i have set before you life and death blessings and cursings therefore Choose life. Which way you want to go? Here it is folks, one way or the other, which way you want to go? I implore you, choose life. What does Paul tell us? I and mean, Christ, who, who is our life shall appear. We shall be like him. So again, you know lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so Christ is our life. God's our life, folks. For me to live is Christ. should not not be our motto. And hey, listen, folks, God's your life. And guard your life because God is your life. Guard your relationship with Him. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord. Notice uh, uh, John talks about light, love, and uh, life. And here we see life life and love. He says um, that you may love the Lord your God and obey his voice that you may cling to him. In other words, you've got to cling to him. Sometimes, folks, it takes effort to serve God, especially with this old worldly flesh of ours. But I've determined, I have decided, I have determined to follow Jesus, no turning back. So it takes it takes an effort. It's not, oh, Lord, I'm just going to follow you. No, it is a purpose that you're going to follow God no matter what happens. And so choose life. He says that you may obey the voice, that you may cling to him. For Underline this. He is your life. He is your life. And the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord your God swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. So I've laid these things out before you. God's promises are very simple. Even the salvation, John lays it out so well. He that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son hath, uh, hath not life. Those are all one-syllable words that a first grader could understand. And so we see that when we give ourselves to the Lord, he, we want to make the message clear and plain. We want to make sure that uh, we don't confuse our laws with God's laws. We want to make sure that we as Christians do all to the glory of God. We don't add anything to it nor take away from it. Now these laws that God lays out specifically for the nation of Israel, God has not promised us the land. God has not promised uh, us Gentiles anyway. God has not promised us a lot of things that he has promised then. But he has promised that eye hath not seen nor ear heard what God has in store for those who love him. I don't know exactly what all those are, but we don't get the land, but we get get something equivalent to it, don't we? As someone said, even if there wasn't a heaven or a hell, the Christian life is so much better than anything else that the earth has to offer. But there is a heaven, there is a hell. There are blessings, there are cursings, there is good, there is evil. And it's not relative. It's not what you think. It's not what I think. It's what God says that counts. So choose life. Don't, don't uh, follow your heart. But there's I think we skipped over that passage, but there's a passage in there where it talks about uh, be careful when your heart tells you to do something. What does Je- Jeremiah say? Our hearts are, uh, are desperately wicked. And who can know it? So we don't follow our hearts, we follow the Word. We follow what God says. And as a result, He changes our hearts to be with Him. So I've set before you, blessings and cursings. Folks, we've got to realize that people, when they reject the Lord Jesus Christ, they are under the judgment of God and they're on their way to hell. And when they turn from death into life... And their life just that's just the beginning of all the blessings that God has in store for those who love Him. And in the inheritance that will have eternity eternity. So choose life. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Lord, it's not I don't have anything that I could offer you. It's all up to you. Your truth, your you are totally right. And there's nothing that I could add to or take away from it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. May we choose life. May we choose the blessings of your presence and your power and your promises in our lives as we will serve you. Christ, who is our life, Lord of you know, for you, for me to live is Christ; to die is gain. So, Lord, may that be our motto. And may every whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, may we want to bring glory to you, because you want to be glorified. But in our glory of you, you have a way of sharing that glory with us. Bless us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.